Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Truth in Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, welcome today. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? This is an, uh, a topic we're going to talk about today, which is really close to my heart because the organization, uh, Steve Brown, who's the president of this organization, is an organization that I graduated through. It's Arrow Leadership, and they really do train leaders. They come alongside of leaders. They encourage and support and, and help leaders to be all that they believe God can make them to be, and such an important element. But leadership is referenced in the Bible over and over and over again. And uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But yeah. Take us into the Word, would Thank you? Thank you, Ben. Yeah. I want to take us to, I think, the best leadership passage that I know in the, in the Bible, and it's found in Psalm 78, uh, verses 70 to 72. So I'd like to read this, and then I have a couple of comments. So listen along. It, he chose David as his servant, it says, and took him from the sheepfolds, and from following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. Then watch this. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Now, I want to point out a couple of things from that passage that relates directly to kind of leadership that I think God wants uh, leaders to have. Here's the first of them. You notice it says, he chose David his servant. David had this sense that he did not become the leader of God's people because, you know, he drove himself to that. He rather became that because God had his hand on him. God chose him. And, and I would think that anyone who does Christian leadership does that because they have a divine sense of calling to do that. I would say if you don't have that, Please don't push yourself into that. The second thing is the shepherd uh, that is used here, he shepherded them. It's the difference between a, a dictator and somebody who walks before God's people and invites them to follow. See, here's what I think about leadership. If we say anything else about leadership, I think it can all come down to this one sentence. Leadership is influence. It's not the power to tell people what to do. It's the power to influence people so that they will follow us. And that's what this passage says. David shepherded them. The next thing I noticed that he did so with upright heart. And the idea is that David is a man of integrity. Yep, we know that David was not perfect in his integrity. The sin with Bathsheba took him to a place where all leaders fear going. Ultimately, he was proven to be an individual who had broken his vow with God. And David had to come to terms with that. But what's interesting about David is that David doesn't hide that. He openly publishes that in a psalm so that all Israel can know. And really good leaders don't try to be what they are not. They have this upright heart, which demonstrates the heart that they have for God. And then the passage also says that he guided them with a skillful hand. And there is a skill set that goes along with leadership. And let me also say that I think the skill set varies depending the kind of leader that a person is called to be. I mean, David was the king of Israel, which would have included everything from overseeing the mundane nature of his kingdom to leading his people into battle. And so there's a whole host of different leadership activities. That's very different than a pastor of a local church. That's very different than a Sunday school teacher and so forth. So let me talk a little bit about leadership that we all do. You know, sometimes when we think about leadership, we have certain images in mind. You know, the, the tech company leader or somebody who stands in front of a pulpit who has thousands of people listening to him. I mean, we've got those pictures in mind. But let me give you other pictures of leadership. Faithful mom or a dad leading family and leading children. 
that's exercising influence over the next generation. There's also leaders that uh, lead in, as I've said, in Sunday school classes. There are other individuals who lead in a variety of different settings, and each setting is unique in and of itself. But there is, I think, a teaching of Jesus that supersedes everything else that we might say. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. It says, Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and the great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In essence, what Jesus taught us is that true leadership is what many have called servant leadership. Now, please don't misunderstand servant leadership. It's not mealy mouth leadership. It's not the kind of leadership that doesn't have a clear direction and a focus. Jesus' style of leadership influenced the whole world and it continues to influence the whole world. Jesus calls us to repent of our sins and go in a new direction. His leadership is demanding and his leadership is authoritative. So whatever we think servant leadership is, we should understand it in that context. At the same time, however, would you notice that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. That is, when Jesus led, he did it for the good of those whom he led. If there was someone who was called upon to make a sacrifice, Jesus led the way and made that sacrifice first. You see, sometimes we think about leaders as those individuals who have all the perks, everyone just croons over them, and they're always put in a position where they have this, you know, wouldn't it be great to be them? Jesus' kind of leadership laid down his life for us, and therefore, we learn a lot about what leadership is. The faithful leader of Christ calls God's people to follow, but when the faithful leader of Christ calls them to follow, the faithful leader says, let me show you by my life what it is to follow Christ. Let me be the first one to lay down my life. Let me be the first one to deny myself and pick up the cross and follow Jesus. That's what servant leadership calls us to do. So in reality, biblical leadership is a very different leadership than any other leadership that we find anywhere else. Presidents, kings, prime ministers, all of those kind of people have the authority to mandate that people do what they do. They have force of law behind them. But the Christian leader has in many ways a weakness. The weakness is I have no ability to drive you into anything, but I do have the ability to call you to something. See, Christian leadership is the ability to influence someone both with the way that we live our lives and with a calling that we have received. Leadership is a great topic. It's a biblical topic. It's a topic that will take a lifetime to understand. But it's a wonderful calling to be a leader. It's a wonderful calling to support a leader. And in the Christian church, we honor greatly our leaders and are called to submit to their authority. So we're gonna talk about leadership today. We're gonna to talk about it within the context of the Bible. We're gonna talk about it in a way that gives focus and form to what the Christian gospel is all about. 
Hi, and welcome back to Truth and Life today with Dr. John Newfeld and our special guest, Steve. Steve, it's wonderful to have you here today. And, and let me tell you a little bit about yourself, just in case you didn't know who you were. Uh, Steve Brown, and he's the president of Arrow International. Is that correct? Is that Aero Leadership say? International. Aero Leadership International. And you've been with the ministry for 14 years, the last number of years as president mm -hmm. of the organization. And, and Aero is all about developing leaders. So some of the key words that I saw as I was looking through uh, the website, I talked about journeying alongside, and you've journeyed alongside hundreds of leaders around the world. And, and I have to say, I have the benefit of being in the first Canadian class of Arrow with, uh, at that time, President uh, was Carson Pugh. And it, so it's, it, it's meant so much to me uh, to be involved, but also to see what's happening. You're also an author of a couple of different books. Uh, one is Leading Me, Eight Practices for a Christian Leader, uh, and, and another one called Great Questions for Leading Well. And uh, great books. And I really want to uh, encourage people to take a look at those. And you can get them and uh, take a look at everything you want to know about Arrow at, what's the, what's the website again? Arrowleadership.org. Arrowleadership.org. So Arrow, just like a bow and arrow, arrowleadership.org. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, if I can ask you uh, a couple of questions just about Arrow. Now, I know because I esteem this gentleman very highly. Leighton Ford mm -hmm. was actually the founder of Arrow. Mm -hmm. And, and what, was his, what was his vision? What was his purpose for this? Yes. So Leighton Ford, a Canadian from Chatham, Ontario, yeah. uh, was 60 years old. He'd spent his life as an evangelist traveling around the world with his brother-in-law, Billy Graham. And Leighton was 60 and recognizing that his generation would soon be retiring and moving on. And he was concerned, was the next generation ready to take the baton of leadership into the, the new world before them? And he was concerned that his generation had spent so much time doing ministry that they hadn't developed the next generation. Mm. So Leighton had that on his heart and said, uh, uh, he had a sense that God had called him to step back from the doing and invest the rest of his life in developing younger leaders. Wow. So that's really the, how Arrow began. Yeah. So when you think about leadership, you think about Arrow, you think about the people that come in uh, to your in, the influence of Arrow, what are the types of things that Arrow's trying to encourage about leadership? Yeah. When I look at the landscape of Canada, North America, the world, uh, and look at the climate in terms of morals, uh, in terms of societal, cultural drift, in terms of where the church is at, I believe that we need revival in the church and a spiritual awakening in our land. Mm. And one of the keys to that is leaders. And not just any type of leaders. We, we use a special term, Jesus-centered leaders. Mm -hmm. So we want to see leaders who are Jesus-centered. Uh, and to unpack that a little bit, leaders who are led more by Jesus, mm -hmm. who lead more like Jesus, and who lead more to Jesus. Yeah. So those are the type of Jesus-centered leaders that we're trying to develop with the Aero Leadership Program. Yeah, it's fantastic, fantastic. Uh, John, you've had uh, many, many years of leadership back, experience. Yeah. And when you look back, uh, I mean, it seems to me these things ring true. One of the things we don't often do is maybe focus on developing our leaders the way we ought to. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Steve, you begin to mention that th the whole issue is that, you know, Leighton Ford recognizes in his 60s, mm -hmm. you know, what are we doing to train the next generation? But maybe that's a natural process. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, I think periods of life that we go through. And the one is we're establishing leadership. Mm -hmm. um, then we begin to see individuals who come to Christ through our leadership. People, um, uh, churches are being built. Mm -hmm. 
But you come to that stage in your life and saying, I, I think I'm reaching the end of my own road. God is calling me home, right? Mm -hmm. So I think there is a natural transition that should happen in every leader that says, I need to make sure that I've got Timothy coming behind me. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's a, that's a very natural, normal process that is the development of error. I didn't know that. That's an excellent story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Era's done an incredible job now. Era's been around for how long now? We're at our 27th year. Wow. Uh, so we uh, have programs in Canada and the U.S., and then there's eight other countries around the world that have Aero programs as well. Yeah, and give me an idea of how many leaders have actually gone through Aero. Yeah, so there's been over a thousand in North America that have been through the the Aero leadership program, and then uh, over a thousand uh, worldwide through the various national programs as well. Yeah. Now. You've been exposed to obviously a lot of leaders. Uh, I know when I was going through Arrow, there was men that were much younger than me. There was a few that were a little bit older than me. Um, uh, but there was an incredible network and camaraderie that was there. But you must have experienced now. What are what are some of the typical things leaders are being challenged with today? Mm -hmm. Well, leaders have lots of challenges today. Uh, leaders have always had lots of challenges, yeah. but there's organizational challenges. How do I lead the church well or lead this organization well? How do I cast vision and, and discern vision and, and uh, uh, find resources? Uh, all those sorts of things organizationally. There's also team leadership uh, challenges. So how do we, who do we need and how do we get them on board and aligned right and trained well and developed and encouraged and empowered to move the mission forward? Uh, and then there's personal leadership, uh, which is something that all of us, whether we have a title or an official role in an organization, all of us are called to lead ourselves. And I think that leading ourselves, um, personal leadership is actually the biggest leadership challenge because uh, I've got organizational leadership challenges. I've got team leadership challenges. But when I woke up today, the, the toughest person to lead today was me, the guy I looked at in the mirror. Yeah, so there's personal leadership challenges too. So do you think that's some of the some of the most difficult things is, is, is self-care, spiritual self-care as leaders? We get so involved in so many different things that maybe we fall back on, you know, allowing the Spirit of God to actually speak into our lives as leaders? Yeah, Ben, I think that's exactly right. I, I think we want to be known as um, uh, leaders who exhibit the holiness of Christ. I, in the end of the day, if we spend too much time just talking about leadership, and I affirm what you're talking about, and rather than talking about you know, what God wants to do to transform my life and the lives of people around me, then we're just focusing on principles rather than the glory of God yeah. and, uh, and seeing men and women come to Christ. So the, the passion of the leader in some ways is to get out of the way yeah. But, you know, we get in the way. If we're not caring for ourselves, we're in the way, and it becomes about us because we haven't developed that humble spirit that we need to have, that Christ-likeness, all that stuff is missing. Yeah. So I, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, about the skills of a Christian leader. And I think those personal skills, how do I keep myself healthy as a leader? And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, being effective as leaders as well. But, but thanks for being here, Steve and John. And, and we're going to be right back in just a moment, right after this, more of Truth and Life Today. Thanks for joining us again here on Truth and Life today with uh, Dr. John Newfeld and Steve Brown from Arrow Leadership. Uh, it's great to have you here, and it's great to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all leaders in our own right. Um, 
Uh, I lead an organization. John, you're part of that organization. You lead in respect to the Bible teaching of this organization, and Steve with Arrow. Uh, but everybody, in some respect, is an influencer. Mm -hmm. They're leading something or someone. Uh, when we think about leadership, though, what are some of those principles that Era would teach in respect to how to care for yourself spiritually? Mm -hmm. And even that question is a challenging question for leaders to hear because often leaders are wired to be caring for other people. So the idea of, of like the flight attendant says, uh, when we uh, get on a plane to put on your own oxygen mask first, it sounds wrong because we're concerned about the person beside us. Yeah. But uh, if Christian leaders can get over that and recognize that if I take good care of myself first, I'm actually going to be much more able to care for and walk alongside other people. So that's one thing. A second thing would be for Christian leaders to just remember that the wellspring is intimacy with God, mm. that um, you can't uh, uh, lead and give to others out of an empty reservoir. So recognizing that uh, loving the Lord your God, the, the great, greatest commandment, um, flows out of first being loved by God. And for Christian leaders who often speak about uh, the love of God, who teach about it, who preach about it, who sing about it, uh, who extend it in practical ways, receiving the love of God for themselves is often a really, really critical thing and often something that they neglect. Uh, yeah, if I could just jump yeah, into please. that, because I, I think one of the things that happens, the trap of all leadership, is that you live on and you feed on the affirmation of others. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what is it that makes me a leader? It's because, you know, I love being in that position where there's this adulation that you get nowhere else. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Um, the idea of the applause of heaven, mm -hmm. the idea that uh, my intimacy with Christ is more than enough, the, the idea that I don't need the leadership mm -hmm. uh, and can function in any position. I mean, Ben, I do this because I'm happy to submit to your leadership. Um, I was just prior to this, the leader of a church of over 5,000 people. Yeah. Um, I think if all we can do is be in leadership, and can't be led by others or can't find our moment-by-moment -moment happiness in Christ, yeah. I think we forfeit any kind of leadership that we might have. Mm -hmm. So we become this needy leader rather than a God-centered leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the kind of thing that just destroys not only the leader, but the people that mm -hmm. they are leading as well. Because mm -hmm. trying to hold the affirmation of others in our hands is like trying to hold water in our hands. Yeah. Yeah. It, it soon disappears no matter how hard we try and, and hold it. Um, but the love of God uh, how long and wide and high and deep the love of God is, is beyond our imagination. Yeah. And if leaders, if all of us are grounded in that reality, in that truth, yeah. then that will uh, fill us regardless of how we actually do or what other people say about us. Yeah, you know, when I was uh, uh, young in my ministry, I was looking to all types of resources to discover how I could be the best leader I could be. And some of them are very good resources, no question at all. And then it dawned on me one day, John, that actually the Bible talks about leadership. <laughs> and all these most important principles really come out of God's Word. And so, I mean, as a leader, sometimes with all your other busyness, do we neglect God's Word and really seeking the, the food the food and the sustenance we need to be leaders from his word. Yeah, not only does the Bible, I mean, the Bible's full of stories, right? Yeah. So, and there are so many different kinds of leaders. I mean, there's prophetic leadership. 
I mean, it certainly is one kind. I mean, you got David, it's political leadership with all of the administrative details along with military leadership. So that's a very different kind of leadership. Mm -hmm. And then again, you have this, uh, the leadership that, that you might see in Abraham, who has, is this wandering man who, you know, who calls people to follow him and who makes an influence on, on kings. And then, of course, there's Christ's leadership. I mean, we can examine every single person in the Bible, yeah. and, and we can learn something from their lives. We just need to pay attention to those principles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve, one of the things that I, I want to make sure we, we talk about before we're done today is how do we come around our leaders? I mean, uh, you know, it is, we've been there, it's a lonely place sometimes. You talk about the water going through fingers, you know, or, or a dam. It seems like the, the affirmation comes and then it disappears and then we're all, all of a sudden we're alone. How do we come around our leaders? Yeah, I would, I would just encourage everyone to recognize that your pastor is someone who desires deeply to make a difference. They're, they're, they feel called to that. They've been called by the church. Um, they're wired for that. They, that. That's their heart's desire. But often it's lonely. Often it's discouraging. And so one of the things we can do for our, our pastors is to pray for them and to be very um, uh, regular and praying for them, to let them know uh, we're, we're actually praying for them. Uh, to encourage them would be a second thing. Um, so I, I often uh, leave church thinking, wow, that was really important what was, what was shared or what was said by the, by the, the leaders. And I, I mean to encourage them, but I don't. And uh, just a, a real uh, practical way just to encourage them, to pray for them, and uh, to speak well of them, I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. John, when you're looking back at your leadership, what are the things that uh, that encouraged you? How do people encourage you? You know, I, I was just going to piggyback, and if I can kind of only partially answer yeah, your question, Ben. Um, you know, as you, were, as you were talking, Steve, you know, I think one of the things that can happen to a pastor is if you have a difficulty with your pastor, and look, people do, yeah. to go to that person directly. Don't write a letter. In fact, if you write a letter, here's what I'm going to say, make it a letter of encouragement. Yeah. If you got something that's criticism, go individually and personally. That's going to say, I still accept you, yeah. still love you. I want relationship with you. The letter can seem, or the email or whatever we do, it can just seem like a cast off. So I'm going to say, we often do it the other way around, right? I mean, so if we, if we got a criticism, we just type that thing yeah, off, that's right. right? Big, bold letters. Big, too. bold letters, right? Do it the other way around. Yeah, that'd be my, that'd be yeah, my counsel. That's fantastic because, you know, I've noticed that. And in, 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 I have to be disciplined and intentional about all these things we've discussed. I think the intentionality of, of encouraging, the intentionality of taking care of myself. Uh, Steve, what would you say to leaders out there today? How would you encourage them? What's, what's the word you can offer them? I would encourage leaders just what you do is important. You matter. Uh, God is with you and for you. And uh, press on. Keep pressing on. We need you to, to lead like Jesus, to lead more to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Steve, for being here today. Great John, to be with of both course. of you. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with a wrap-up with, uh, with Dr. John. But remember, you can find out all you need to know about Arrow Leadership at arrowleadership.org. Join us again in just a minute at Truth and Life Today. Hi, and welcome back to Truth and Life Today with Dr. John Newfeld. John, that was a, that was a great conversation. Yeah. Those conversations go by, by way too fast. Yeah, by they the do. Uh, but one of the things that I think uh, you know, might be worth 
you sharing with us about is, is the identity we find in our leadership and, and, and how that can become an issue if our identity is not found actually in the right place. Yeah, if our identity is found in being a leader, that will be taken away from us, either by retirement. You know, I, I think we've had this conversation that, you know, some of the greatest pastors and preachers in Christian history. John Chrysostom was removed from his pulpit. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was so ruthlessly criticized, he had an untimely death. I mean, I go on and on and on, but the leadership gets taken away at some point in time. If our identity is in that, well, we have nothing when that ends. And that's why I think some people, when they've gone out of leadership, go into just abject despair. Their identity wasn't in Christ, it was in the adulation of others. Yeah, and, and it really has to be intentional as a leader, doesn't it? Oh, I think we have to seek for that, you know, Lord, this is what I long beyond all other things that I might dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze on the beauty of his holiness. When that's our primary goal, then the other just simply is, well, Lord, if this is what you've assigned to me for this moment, yeah. that's it, right? Can I ask you to speak into something else? We, we study the Bible as pastors. Yeah. We study for our, our preparation. Sure. What do you do for yourself in Bible study? Yeah, I, I tend not to do that exegetical thing when I do it myself. I tend to read, and I'll read in a different translation on purpose. Yeah. I want to hear the words in a different manner. I want to just be ministered to by, often I'll find a place where I'm alone and read them aloud just to hear the words of God speaking to me. Yeah. Thanks so much, John, and, and thanks for joining us today. Remember to join us next week right here on Truth and Life Today. <laughs>